0: What's up? Welcome to Cultivating Change, a weekly podcast dedicated to sowing the seeds of biblical truth, love, and justice. It is time to start the conversations that others avoid. It is time to rise up as leaders and followers of Christ. It is time to cultivate change in our hearts and the communities around us. The mission of this podcast is to disciple generations that will impact the culture through the power of the gospel. I'm your host. Brittany Hefner. Today, we're going to be starting a new series here on the podcast. This is something that has been highly requested from y'all, the listeners, and something that I think will be a great addition to the podcast. We are going to be studying through a book of the Bible together. And the first book that we're going to be studying through is the book of Ruth. And in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the importance of studying God's word. Why is it important? Why should we be doing it? And we're going to dive right into chapter one of the book of Ruth. And this is going to be a four-part series. There are four chapters in the book of Ruth, and I pray that you will learn and grow throughout this series, as I am growing and learning right there alongside of each of you. But first, let's talk about our highlights and lowlights for the week. Highlights and lowlights. My low light for this week is really devastating and something I think that needs to be talked about. So today, the day that I'm recording this episode, there was actually a shooting at one of the main high schools in the area that I live in. And I'm not going to go into all the details, but I will say that the shooter ended up killing himself after shooting his girlfriend and also potentially others as well. And it just happened today, so all the details haven't been released yet. But I work at my youth group and my sister's also in high school, so I got information from them. And the reason that I'm sharing this, the reason that it's really on my heart is because it was a low light. It broke my heart when I heard this because there are so many people out there who are really really hurting and people are dying from their hurt and it really convicted me as a believer and i want to challenge y'all with this as well because as christians we are carrying the message of life we have the responsibility and ability to share the good news with others but guess what we don't we don't always take those opportunities to share the love and hope of christ for whatever reason that may be but normally every reason boils down to fear, fear of rejection, fear of what others think about us. But I have to ask you, when are we gonna stop living in this fear and start evangelizing more? Are we so concerned about the fear of now that we've stopped caring about eternity? Like we're called to share the good news and we live in a broken world. We are broken people and bad things happen, but we should be living with more of an urgency to share the good news. And I'm sorry for starting off this podcast with such a tragic event, but I wanted to talk about it because I think it needs to be talked about because I want to challenge and encourage you to be more bold in your faith this year. And as I'm preaching this to y'all, I'm preaching this to myself too, because I don't know anyone who can say, oh, I share the gospel too much. Yeah, I know i evangelize too often like how how often do you hear those words come out of somebody's mouth i know i've never heard that because no matter where you are at in your walk with christ whether you're a new believer you've been a believer most of your life the past couple of years wherever you're at there's room to grow And on to my highlight for the week, which would be this past Wednesday night, I had the opportunity to speak at my youth group and it was honestly a really powerful night and after my talk, we broke off into different small groups and I lead a small group of ninth and 10th grade girls and we were talking about being bitter and holding on to bitterness and resentment towards the Lord and how to overcome that bitterness and know that God is working in the midst of our pain and brokenness and God uses broken people for his ultimate redemption story. And out of all of this, there was just a lot of good conversations that night and the Holy Spirit was really working the lives of the students. And it was just one of those moments that I just sat back and was such an awe of seeing God work and being able to sit in that front row seat and just watch him move. And I truly love student ministry and being able to lead and to serve and to speak alongside of these youth and the young kids and just being able to help equip the next generation. It's so important. And that would be my highlight and lowlight for this week. But let's dive right in. And today is going to be part one of our new book study in the book of Ruth. Today, we are kicking off part one of our new series in the book of Ruth. And I am so excited to be able to go through chapter one and talk about so many amazing things in the story. But before we even begin and dive into the first chapter, I think it's important to address the question like, why? Why are we studying the Bible? Why the book of Ruth? Why is it important? And to answer all of those questions, it's important because reading God's word is how we get to know who he is, his character. Like this is truth. This is infallible truth. And everything in here, in the book of Ruth, in the Bible as a whole, shows us more of who God is. And as someone who is a Christian, you would think you would want to know more about who the God that you serve is, right? And one of the crazy statistics, I know I've said it on the podcast before, is 70% of Christians, and it might even be higher, but 70% of Christians have not read the entire Bible. And I really want to help us, especially in this community that we're building of cultivating change, I want to break that statistic, y'all. Like, I want you guys to be so submersed in scripture, but I can't have that desire. Like, I can have that desire for you, but you have to be the one to embark on that. So I hope this is kind of just a taste of it. I don't want this to be the only source that you have, and I really hope that you're plugged into a church in your own community and being discipled and grown there. So this is just an extra tool. That's all it is. And I'm no seminary graduate, at least not yet. (laughs) So this is just me. This is just me sitting in my room recording with the Bible in front of me and really allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and what he's teaching me and his word. And I want you guys to remember that as we're going throughout this. Like this is not anything special as far as me. Like you can do this on your own. You can pick up the Bible, you can pick a book, and you can just start reading and studying. And there's tools that you can also look up like if you're still unfamiliar so all that to say like i just want this to be another source where you're being submerged into scripture because it's so important y'all it helps us with so many questions it helps us with how to live our lives now this is where we see truth hope purpose like all of the major questions and i'll never forget i went to passion and i know i talked about it a couple episodes ago whenever that episode was but one of the things sadie Robertson did was she took out her phone in one hand, and she had the Bible in her other hand. So she has her phone, she's scrolling, and she's saying, like, our generation is looking for love in this phone. Scrolling through Instagram, scrolling through Twitter, they're just scrolling, looking for answers. And they're cold. They're so cold, because they're so far from the truth. And then she picks up her Bible in her other hand, and she's like, I'm hot. This is hot, because the Bible is true. She's like, you're looking for love? Well, God is love. You're looking for hope? He is hope. Like, all of these things, all of these questions, that our society and people have is found in scripture like I can't emphasize that enough that's the importance of scripture so all that to say why are we doing this why did I decide to do this series on the podcast because I want you to be in awe of who our creator is I want you to understand who he is and I hope this will encourage you to go out and read the bible more on your own or just to start start somewhere just start Like, whether that's a plan, whether that is a year-long plan of going through the Bible, I know I'm doing this plan on the YouVersion Bible app right now, and it's actually a 90-day plan, so three months going through the entire Bible, and it's about, like, 20-ish chapters a day, so it's really not too much, but it is a commitment, and I'm staying on track with it because I really, like, you can tell... Like, you just have to start and when you start you're gonna want to read it more and more like it's just it's something you, I can't exactly explain like you just have to do it so I just truly hope that this will encourage you strengthen you and just know that like I am no better than you for just being able to do this like I am not more equipped I'm just simply here sitting with a microphone sitting in front of my Bible and I want you to know that you can do that at home too so wherever you are if you're at home if you're in the car on the way to class like I want you to do what you can with this whether you want to take notes I can script it out a little bit on specific notes but also if you just want to listen to this but I do encourage you if you are in a place pick up your Bible or pull out your phone and as I'm reading along of chapter 1 read with me or pause this and like see what God is telling you because this is God's Word this is nothing special that I'm saying like I really can't emphasize that enough this is God's Word And this is the truth, the ultimate infallible truth. So all that being said, we're now going to dive into chapter one. And this is one of my favorite books of the Bible. And kind of the title that this message is going to be in the weeks to come is God at work in the midst of brokenness. God at work in the midst of broken people. Like we are all broken and we're about to step into a story of so much brokenness so much hurt and pain that we're gonna see throughout this chapter and throughout the chapters to come and the book as a whole about God being the ultimate redeemer. So with that being said, we're gonna start in verse one, okay, so in the days when the judges ruled, stop. All right, so what are the judges? What is this time period? Because we're already referencing coming into the story and we need to know. So for those of you that don't know, the book before the book of Ruth (laughs) is the book of Judges. And during this time period, it's really a time of unrest and chaos because they're searching for a king. So we're stepping into the story and this is the days that it's referring to is unrest and chaos. So verse one goes on to say, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. So first off, we're going to break that up. And I'm telling you, there's so much to get out of these scriptures. And we see Bethlehem. So Bethlehem in Hebrew means house of bread. There was a famine in the land of Bethlehem. There was a famine in the house of bread. So we already see the irony and the nuance of scripture, right? Right. And we also see this place of Moab. So they're going to move to Moab. So what is this place of Moab? What is the story behind it? And I loved, when I recently was studying through this story, I loved being able to go back to Genesis. Because Genesis 20 or 19, it's Genesis 19 actually. Genesis 19 verses 30 to 38 i'm gonna read but that's the origin of moab like being able to go back to the beginning of scripture because scripture is a whole story it's tied together and being able to see like okay what is the significance of this place what is the significance of moab so again the reference is genesis 19 starting in verse 30. now lot went up out of zor and lived in the hills with his two daughters For he was afraid to live in Zor, so he lived in a cave with his two daughters. And the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man on earth to come into us, after all the manner of the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. He did not know when she lay down or when she arose. The next day, the firstborn said to the younger, "'Behold, I lay last night with my father.' So this is a city, Moab is a city that got started with a daughter who got her father drunk to have a baby, and that baby was named Moab. This is where our story begins, and pagan worship happened here. Like, this is the place where we meet the characters of the Book of Ruth. Like, that's the significance, and that's why I love studying through the book of the Bible, because you're really able to see connections. Like, if you were to just read over that verse at first, you wouldn't have known. If you wouldn't have read Genesis before, you wouldn't have known the importance of Moab. So with all that being said, we see that Moab is not the place for God's people. But what do we see in this story? So let's see. We go back. It says, In the country of Moab, again, this is Ruth in verse 1. In the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilian. They were Ephrites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. So Elimelech, his name in Hebrew means my God is king. So Elimelech is moving his entire family and his name is my God is king. What is the irony there? He's not trusting his God. He's moving his family, because remember, there was a famine in the land, so he's moving his family to this place of Moab that is not a place for God's people. And the irony is he doesn't trust his God. And Naomi, her name means sweet and pleasant. And Malan and Kilian, their names mean sick and die. So let's continue reading in our story. They were Ephrites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. Verse 3. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Melon and Kilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Y'all, okay, so we're stepping into the story of brokenness, right? We already see that there's a famine going on. Elimelech up and moved his family. And then Elimelech dies. And Malon and Kilion, remember their names mean sick and die. In Hebrew, their names mean sick and die. And they die. That's the nuance of the scripture. And we're stepping into this pain. Naomi just lost the love of her life. Naomi just lost her husband. And not only is she experiencing the death of her husband, she then just lost her two sons. Like, imagine that. Whatever stage in life, whether you're married or not, imagine losing somebody that you love so much. And that's like, that's the importance of Hebrew culture because a name is a foretelling of a desired characteristic or attribute of a future child. And we see the significance of that, right? Like Shakespeare, I love Shakespeare. Shakespeare would always say like, what is in the name? And I would say a lot, a lot is in the name because it tells us, right? So going on to verse six, we see, Then she arose, so this is Naomi, then she arose with her daughter-in-laws to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So what happens here? The Lord reversed the famine. God provided. But remember back in our previous story, like Elimelech did not trust God in the famine and he moved his family because of it. But we see here that the Lord had visited his people. So God did provide. God always provides. And going on to verse seven, so Naomi, she set out from the place where she was with her two daughter-in-law and they went on to the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you and the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. So again, we see so much brokenness, right? And emotion, they're weeping, they're crying. Verse 10, And they said to her, "'No, we will return with you to your people.' But Naomi said again, "'Turn back, my daughters. "'Who will you go with me? "'Have I yet sons in my womb "'that they may become your husbands? "'Turn back, my daughters, go your way, "'for I am too old to have a husband. "'If I should say, I have hope, "'even if I should have a husband this night "'and should bear sons, "'would you therefore wait till they were grown? "'Would you therefore refrain from marrying?' "'No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me.' for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah, which is one of the daughter-in-laws, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her. That's the end of verse 14. And we're kind of going to break that up. So we're at this point in the story, right? And Naomi is urging both Ruth and Orpah to leave, to go back to their homelands because she has nothing for them. She can't offer anything. Naomi is so broken, so much pain. And one of the nuances of the scripture again is Orpah. Orpah's name means back of neck. And as Orpah turns and leaves Naomi and Ruth, the back of her neck is the last thing that they would have seen. Because Orpa left. Orpa did not stay. She said, okay, and left. She kissed her mother-in-law and left. What did Ruth do? Ruth? Ruth clung to Naomi. And Ruth means friendly and companion because she stayed. And we get ready to see what she said to Naomi. Naomi said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, so in verse 16, listen to this, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will. I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. What an amazing couple verses, right? We can learn so much from Ruth because Ruth is faithful. Ruth is loyal. Like she says, your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Imagine like Ruth is giving up a lot to continue with Naomi. She could have turned back like Orpah did. She could have taken the easy road out, but she didn't. She stayed. And we're getting ready to see the significance of that. Okay, so in verse 19, so the two of them, so at this point in the story, we only have Naomi and Ruth because Orpah had left, right? So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. So they went back to Naomi's hometown. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. Remember, this is Naomi's people. This is her hometown. So they're probably recognizing that, hey, Naomi's coming back and like Elimelech, her husband, is not with her. Her sons are not with her. So the whole town is stirred. And also, Ruth is Is a Moabite. So she's a foreigner and she's coming into Bethlehem. So there's a lot happening, right? The end of verse 19, it says, And the woman said, Is this Naomi? And Naomi responds, Do not call me Naomi. Remember what Naomi means? Sweet and pleasant. So she says, Do not call me sweet and pleasant. Call me Mara. Mara in Hebrew means bitter. So she's telling her people, her hometown, her community, Do not call me sweet. Do not call me pleasant. But call me bitter. And she goes on to say, For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Oh my gosh, y'all. So these verses, Naomi is honest she admits that she is bitter towards the Lord because she's back home. She's back home in her community and she admits that. I think there's a significance to that. And we see in verses 20 and 21, like, who does Naomi blame for her circumstances? She's blaming God, right? Naomi is in this hopeless situation, it seems like. She just lost her husband, she lost her sons, she's now back home with this Moabite woman, Ruth and she's blaming God. She's telling her people, I left away full. I left with a husband. I left with kids, but now she's returning empty, and she's blaming God for that. She's putting all of that weight onto God, and one of the things that really stood out to me in these verses, because I've read the book of Ruth before several, several times, but the past two weeks, because I've done this message in the prison, and I also did this message at my youth group, And one of the things God had really started to show me was the significance of bitterness. Because we're stepping into a story of honest pain, heartbreak, brokenness. Like, can you relate to that? Can you relate to a season in your life? Or are you in that season in your life where you're in such brokenness? Be honest because I know that there was a season in my life that I was so bitter. I could very much relate to Naomi and these verses, and that's what the Lord really convicted in my heart, because part of my testimony is my junior year in high school, I was sexually assaulted. And just like Naomi, I blamed God. I was so bitter towards God, and it pains me to today to still say this, but during this season in my life, I hated God. I told people that I didn't want anything to do with him, that there was no way a loving God would allow this to happen to me. I had so much bitterness, just like we see Naomi in this story. She has bitterness. She is blaming God for her circumstances. I blamed God for my circumstances. And that bitterness hindered me from any type of relationship with the Lord. And that continued for about a year until God got a hold of my heart. Like God so, so, listen to me, God so sovereignly, Let me hate him so I could fall in love with him. That's the God we serve. That's the God I serve. A God that allowed me to hate him in the midst of my pain and brokenness, to fall in love with him. Like, I can truly tell you that today. And it brings me so much joy to see how sovereign God was, how faithful he was, because God never left When I hated him, when I was angry, when I was bitter, he never left me. And that's something that's so powerful. And I think we can see that in this story, that you have to be honest about being bitter towards God before it's ever going to get fixed, before you're ever going to work through it, because you can't heal from something until you admit that you're broken. How do you expect yourself to heal if you don't first admit that you're broken? And that's the same with bitterness. You can't heal from bitterness and hatred if you don't first admit that you're bitter. So again, Naomi stepping into Bethlehem, her hometown, saying, yeah, I'm bitter. Don't call me sweet. Don't call me pleasant, but call me bitter. And that was something the Lord really, really convicted my heart of. Is there a season in your life where you are bitter towards the Lord? Or are you bitter towards the Lord right now? Because if you are, I don't want you to be ashamed of that bitterness, but I also don't want you to stay in that bitterness. So admit that you're bitter, whether that's to a friend, whether that's to a pastor of yours, a family member, whoever it is, find somebody that you trust. And if you don't have anybody like email me, or just reach out to somebody because that bitterness will destroy you. Because when I held on to that bitterness in my testimony and my story, that bitterness that I had towards the Lord came out in every other relationship in my life. I was bitter towards my family. I was bitter towards my friend. I left the church. I was bitter. I was so bitter. And bitterness destroys you. It leaves you so broken and so hopeless. And that's why I can really, truly kind of understand where Naomi is coming from. Like, imagine the pain of losing your husband, losing your kids. And we go on to see, so we're now in verse 22. And verse 22 says, So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest." And this is the last verse in chapter one. And that's the beauty of scripture, right? This is the last verse, placement of scripture matters. And we see the significance of barley harvest because hope is on the horizon. It is a new season in Israel, literally. It is a new crop. Be a new season in the life of Naomi and in the life of Ruth because hope is on the horizon and the famine is gone. And there's going to be hope in chapter two and chapter three. Like, we're going to see that in the weeks to come. But my question to you is in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of difficult seasons and trials, can you fight for your own barley harvest? Can you fight for hope? Because just because it looks like it's hopeless, because all up until this point, like verses 1 through 20, 21 actually, verses 1 to 21... We see a story of brokenness. We see a story of loss. In the very last verse in chapter one, we see hope is on the horizon. And I want to encourage you with that is the hope is Jesus Christ. The hope is that you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to hold that pain and that shame and that guilt alone because God bore that shame. Jesus bore that shame on the cross. Like it's a new season and there's significance in this. And going back to verses 16 and 17, when we see Ruth's faithfulness and loyalty, another encouragement and application for you guys as you're going throughout your weeks is not only should we seek out a friend like Ruth, somebody that's going to love us, somebody that's going to treat us well and be loyal to us and be a good friend. Not only should we seek out friends like Ruth, But we should be a friend like Ruth, because Ruth shows sacrificial love, not just love to love, but sacrificial love. And I know I say a lot about Passion, but one of the speakers at Passion was Ravi Zacharias, and at one of the points in his talk, he started talking about marriage, and he was actually, he was in this coffee shop with this woman, and he begins telling us this story of this conversation he had with this woman. And they were talking about marriage, and this woman said, marriage is not only, a commitment love is a sacrifice so my encouragement to you is be a sacrificial friend be one day or if you're married now be a sacrificial wife be a sacrificial husband be a sacrificial co-worker. Wherever you are in your life, love is sacrifice, and we don't hear that in our culture today. We hear, love is what makes you feel good, or other cliches that we might hear. We hear, oh, do what makes me happy, do what I want, my desires, my love. Like, It's all about me, 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 pride, pride, pride. And we don't hear that love is sacrificial, but that's biblical love, sacrifice. Jesus on the cross sacrificed his life. What kind of love is that? Because guess who's love? God, God is love. God is not only like the definition of love, he is love. Like let that sink in. Like love is not what you see on TV. Love is not what you see in culture today or with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Like love is God. And whether you're married now or you're pursuing marriage or one day you're gonna be married, like be a sacrificial wife, be a sacrificial husband because that is how marriage will work. Because not every day, not every day you're gonna wake up and be so madly in love, but you're gonna be committed and you're gonna sacrifice things because you want to resemble the love of Christ. Marriage is a covenant. God made a covenant with his people. Like marriage is one of the most beautiful things that we see in scripture. So I want to encourage you with that is when we're looking at just chapter one alone, but when we're looking at verses 16 and 17 and we see Ruth's commitment and the sacrificial love that she shows, I want us to begin to pray. Pray that we also show that sacrificial love to others. Begin each day thanking God for his love towards you and also ask him to give you opportunities throughout the day to sacrificially love others as well because loving people and speaking truth is discipleship, is evangelism. Like, it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And also, if you're feeling bitter towards God, please reach out to somebody, anybody that you trust and feel comfortable with sharing because you need to be honest about how you feel and try to figure out why you're upset with God or what circumstances in your life have led you to that bitterness. Find the root, find the cause and pray for a softened heart. Pray for peace. Pray for God to work in your life. And also, when we see Ruth displaying this incredible love for Naomi in this chapter, I want you guys to apply this this week in your own lives by picking one relationship, just one. Start off at one. And if you want to do more, I encourage you to do that as well. But pick one relationship, start there, and focus on and come up with ways that you can sacrificially love that person. Whether that's your boyfriend, girlfriend, whether that's your best friend, a friend, whether that's a family member. A complete stranger. I mean, just pick someone and show them the love of Christ, sacrificial love. And then I also, I'm big into journaling, and I don't know if you guys like to journal or not, but if you do, one of the most helpful things is writing. It truly is. And if you journal, I want you to think back on your life and pinpoint moments in your life where God moved in ways that you didn't expect. When in the midst of brokenness, you couldn't quite see that horizon, you couldn't quite see that hope that you knew there could be hope, Think about those moments where you didn't know what God was doing until you came out of that season because God is moving in ways we don't expect and reflect on God's involvement in those events and praise him, y'all. Praise him and worship him for never abandoning you. Y'all, the fact that God did not abandon me when I hated him, like that still wrecks me to today. That's the God I serve. Like, I just can't get over. I'm so humbled by the fact that he let me hate him so I could love him. So I want you to journal and I want you to reflect on God's own involvement in your life. Think about it. Evaluate it. And evaluate and consider how you've handled past or maybe current pain. See how God has matured you over the years and pray that he would continue to mature your faith in the midst of difficulty. Because there will be trials to come. There are trials. There are hard hard seasons. But guess what? Just like we read in verse 22, they were coming into Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. At the end of your hard season or hard seasons, if there's been several, like there will be a barley harvest. There is hope in the midst of our brokenness. There is hope. And like I said at the very beginning of this, that is our overarching theme of the book of Ruth as we're going throughout these next couple chapters is God at work in the midst of broken people, in the midst of brokenness, And we see God using Ruth, we see God using Naomi, and we're going to see it as we continue to read on. But a little spoiler, like he's using them for the ultimate redemption story. He is using them to bring redemption. He's redeeming them. He's redeeming their brokenness, their loss, their pain. And that's beautiful. That's so, so beautiful. So that's chapter one. And I am so excited to continue to go throughout chapter two and three and four because it's just going to continue to unfold. But to summarize one last time, chapter one, we're stepping into the story of brokenness, right? There's a famine in the land of the house of bread and Elimelech does not trust his God and he moves his family. He moves his family family to Moab, a place that is not for God's people. And Elimelech and their two sons, Malon and Kilion, they die, right? So Naomi is left alone with her two daughter-in-laws and then Orpah leaves her. So then she's left with Ruth and Ruth and Naomi return to Bethlehem. And we see that they're beginning to come at the beginning of barley harvest. That's chapter one. So if you guys have any questions as we go throughout the next couple chapters, or if you have any questions about chapter one, feel free to email me at cultivatingchangepodcast at gmail.com. And that's cultivatingchangepodcast at gmail.com. But truly, if you also see something that I didn't necessarily mention or something that stuck out to you in scripture, like message me, email me. And you can also message me on like Instagram or Facebook because I would love to know what stood out to you or what you maybe learned or something that God is reaffirming or whatever he may be doing, convicting you. Like, let me know because this is something something that we can grow together in because like I said, I am learning and I am growing right there alongside of you and I hope this is the beginning or maybe in the midst of, but wherever you are, I hope you will begin to have such a reverence and awe for God's word. I hope you see the hope and I hope you see that like God is so faithful in the midst of brokenness and if you are better towards God, please hear me when I say you don't have to be ashamed, but I do want you to admit that brokenness and that bitterness so you can move past it, so you can move forward. Because God is there. God never left you, never forsakes you. So that is chapter one. And now that we've kind of gone through that, we're going to go into a few of my favorite things right now. These are a few of my favorite things. A few things I am loving right now is iced caramel lattes. I know, how much more basic can I get? (laughs) I am such a coffee girl and a coffee addict, and I've been spending a lot of time in coffee shops lately with my new job and just meeting different people, and I gotta say, like, caramel lattes are really, really good. So definitely treat yourself to a nice iced caramel lattes one day this week. You deserve it. So (laughs) another thing I am loving right now is my planner. Y'all, I am not even kidding. I bought this new 2020 planner from Target and it's just like a simple planner, but it's really helped me stay so, so organized because I have so much going on my life right now that I don't have the time and the ability to keep it all in my head anymore and stay on track. So I've literally had to like write everything out and it's truly helped me like schedule out my life with classes and work and ministry. So I would definitely recommend like If you are trying to stay organized or you should be organized, like get yourself a planner and plan out your days and your week (laughs) because I'm old school and I like the physical calendar and being able to write it all out and it helps me not feel so overwhelmed. But like if you're like me, like my planner, it has like a monthly spread and then it has like a day by day spread and there's hardly any room like on the week to week, like to write any more in like it's that busy and filled with stuff. But like it doesn't overwhelm me in the sense of like it could look overwhelming. If that makes sense, but it's nice to know that I have it. So I just like check it off one thing at a time, like (laughs) instead of looking at my month and just get super, super stressed out. So that's been really good at keeping me organized. So I would highly recommend go and get yourself a planner. And if you don't like writing it out, like I'm just old fashioned like that. But you could also use like Google Calendar on your phone or like Remind, whatever works for you, because being organized helps with stress and just being on top of things. I promise you it's worth it. (laughs) And another thing I'm loving right now would be a song. Song, and that song is by Matt Reedon, and his new song is We Praise You and it's really really good. It just came out I think this week or maybe last week but it's new and it's really good. It's one of my new favorite worship songs but it's called We Praise You and you can find it on like Spotify or iTunes and I would definitely recommend checking that out and that would be a few of my favorite things right now. But thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode at Cultivating Change and make sure to rate and review this podcast on Apple because it truly helps me out with not only a improving this podcast, but it also helps with the algorithm and allowing others to find this podcast as well. So thank you all for your support, and I hope you will continue to share this podcast with all of your family and friends. And I'm going to wrap up this episode with a quote by Dale Partridge, and he said, if your pursuit of doctrine and theology is making you more intelligent without making you more loving, compassionate, and humble, then your pursuit is not of God. It's of pride. I loved this quote because it's really like, it's a heart check. As someone who sincerely like just loves theology and loves the hard questions, like, and I'm also a Christian study major, like, I can definitely attest to the importance of making sure that your theology makes you fall more in love with who God is. It should not make you more prideful. And if it does, check your heart, check your theology. Because at the end of the day, theology is the study of God. It's knowing who God is. So that should make you fall more in love with his character, right? And I just really love that quote. So that is something good to always do is self-reflect and do a heart check. And I kind of have to do that all the time between reading for school and then studying for ministry and then my own personal walk and my own personal study. Like with a mixture of all of that, I really have to make sure that my heart is always in the right place and never looking at reading the Bible for a homework assignment or anything like that. So thank you so much for listening to this week's episode, and I can't wait to talk to y'all next week.